Wow, so good. Um, man, isn't it just great when, um, when God's just moving in the morning? Um, I love just, Kevin came over and just said, hey, I had this word God's given me during worship right now in Ezekiel. And, um, and as just he was sharing that, it just so resonated in my heart that all of us, whether or not you feel like, hey, my heart's this like big rock stone <laughs> that's kind of encrusted and hardened, or hey, there's some like rocky places. Um, that's what I was praying over. Lord, there's some rocky places in here that, that I, need to be, I need to be aware of again. So Lord, would you heal me? I want to be 100%, right? I don't, I don't want to be at 70. I want 100%. I want my heart to be pure. I want my heart to be um, free. And uh, so just want to encourage you to continue to, to dive in on that. And um, so, so grateful for Jesus this morning. All right. Well, um, if you're new here at Antioch, I don't know if this is already mentioned, but we don't normally have a big tent in the foyer. Uh, and some of these pieces are from World Mandate. But uh, it's just to entice you to come to World Mandate next year. So we just want you to experience it on the back end, but uh, it'll be taken down next Sunday. So enjoy the tent of meeting one more day, and then, uh, and then I know, and then some of you guys are not hyped about that, but we got to move on. Um, so we also had World Mandate last weekend, and just it was an incredible time. I just want to encourage you, if you um, didn't go, that's great, but would love for you to find somebody that did go and just ask a simple question, hey, what did God do in you? What do you do? Because it was a powerful weekend, and there's not one person who was there throughout the weekend that would say, oh, I just kind of forgot. Um, it was so impactful and needed in a really um, significant time for our church. Um, well, this morning we're kicking off a new series. It's going to take us all the way up to Thanksgiving, all right? And even as, as we were praying through and just saying, God, what are you saying after really looking at world mandate and what is God doing in our midst? Um, uh, just began looking at the scriptures and felt like God highlighted a passage of scripture that we're gonna just keep as a theme or call it as, as a vision passage for us over the next six or seven weeks. I wanna read that to you now. It's Isaiah chapter 61, verse one through three. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, for the display of his splendor. And I want to keep that up there for a moment because what I want you to know is that even as we were preparing for World Mandate, the Friday night beginning the event, we were meeting with some of the speakers and just praying and sharing some stories. And one of the speakers, um, John Lowe, who actually spoke Sunday morning, if you missed him, it was a fantastic message. And he had said, hey, as I was praying for your church coming into this, I got the sense that God was giving this picture of this orchard, but of oak trees. And you know, normally you think of an orchard, it's fruit trees, right? And he said, I had this picture of your church being this orchard of oak trees that were at different stages, but they were all planted. 
And what God was saying was he is, he is tending to the orchard and he wants every single oak tree, no matter where they are, to grow and to be healthy and to be strong. But that there is something unique that God is doing and that he's planting you. And so when I even look at this verse, they will be called oaks of righteousness. It's not just any oak tree. It's an oak tree of righteousness. For what? For the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Who planted it? Him. He planted you. He planted you and he's saying, why did I plant you? For the display of my splendor. For him. Right? That's why he calls us image bearers. He created them male and female, Adam and Eve. Why? So that we could bear his image. And man doesn't do it fully. And woman doesn't do it fully. That's why it's man and woman together bear the full image of God. So when we look at this orchard of oak trees, that's what we're believing for. We're believing that God is doing that in our midst. He is planting. He is bringing in new ones, planting. But he is tending to and doing whatever he needs to do so that we grow as oaks of righteousness so that people can walk by and see this orchard of oaks and say, there's something good there. There's shade there. There's comfort there. There's safety there. There's goodness. When I get close, there's, there, there, there's a peace that I experience that I don't experience in my normal life. What is it? What is it? That's who we want to be as a people. So we're going to be journeying through some different topics over the next six or seven weeks with the aim of being an Isaiah 61 people, with the aim of being these oaks of righteousness. But in order to do that, hey, we gotta be healthy, right? Sometimes trees can have a disease. Sometimes things happen to them. They get cut, maybe a branch breaks off, maybe something is eating away, away at it. And we have to be a people willing to say, God, would you come restore us? Would you cleanse us? Would you heal us? Would you make us healthy so we can grow strong, amen? That's our heart. That's what we're doing. Well, um, I want to take you back into um, my early high school days, all right? Now, you weren't there, but I was. And in high school, whatever you think of me, it was not very glamorous. I came in as a freshman in high school, um, and uh, my freshman year of high school, I, uh, acne had started to form pretty severely in the latter half of eighth grade. Now, when I say acne, some of you guys are like, oh, what are you talking about, a couple of pimples? No. Imagine me sticking my head in a fire ant mound, then biting my face off, and then looking at me. That was me. I can show you pictures, but I want to keep it good this morning, so I'm not going to do that. And thankfully, we didn't have any high def back then. But let me just be honest. Um, I had acne, not just here. It was all down my neck and my face. It was burning. So like I would wake up and my face was burning and I had pimples all over and it hurt. It didn't just look weird, it hurt. And so at that time they had this um, treatment out there called Accutane. We got any Accutane users out there? There's not too many because they ended up getting sued later on <laughs> for all the side effects they caused. Lots of side effects actually. Go try to get Accutane today. I don't know if they're going to still sell it. But I was on, I was one of those trial guys, I guess. So I got on Accutane, and the normal dosage would be, I think it was, whatever, 20 milligrams, whatever it was. I was taking triple dosage because it was so bad. Um, <clears throat> now, I had this bad acne, and I'm five foot 10 as a freshman in high school, so I'm feeling pretty good about myself. 
But then guess what? Over the next 12 months, I grew to six foot four, which is where I am now. So six inches in 12 months means you're averaging a half an inch a month. Now, I don't know if you know, but you ever try stretching your bones out, you're looking, it kind of hurts. And so that's happening every day. So my entire body is like being stretched. Mind, mind you, I'm an athlete or I was an athlete until I started growing. And then I couldn't step over my, I literally would be on the soccer field tripping. Like I couldn't, my body could not keep up my brain with the awkwardness of my body because I was big and I was out of sorts. Okay, so you weren't like, wow, look at that guy, high school president. And they're like, wow, no, this guy needs help. I was that guy, clumsy, right? Add on top of that freshman in high school, voice cracking. This deep voice I have now, that was not there as a freshman. Let's just be real. Half the time I would talk, you'd feel like, you know, just, okay? So I had the cracking voice, which, guess what? All young men got to go through. So ladies, when that happens, don't judge them, because it'll come back to you, okay? You just... Let it, that's just the way it goes. So I'm growing, I'm very awkward. I've got acne all over my face. I've got this Accutane that has about 101 side effects from everything from depression to joint pain um, to where you couldn't, I couldn't even go to practice at times because my joints were so hurting. But the worst thing about it was the dry skin. It was the dry skin. So imagine being a freshman in high school. I don't know what goes on these days, but in my high school, right, you got the whole community shower thing in the men's locker room. So there's like six showers, and you just go shower. It's just the way it goes. So there I am as a freshman in high school. You go after practice, you shower. I had a bottle of lotion in my locker. I had to come out, and I'm lathering up like I'm at some spa because my entire body is so dry-skinned, I was flaking within an hour after a shower, like, like you would have thought something was really wrong with me. So I'd be in class, and I'd start shedding my skin. It was weird, and it's the Accutane was drying me out so bad, trying to get to the acne, right? That was freshman year, good freshman year, right? Um, so it was pretty brutal, and um, I remember being as a freshman, man, uh, was I insecure? Yes. Uh, was I awkward? Yes. Did I have a lot of self-esteem? No. Um, did, 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 I, did I have really any friends? Maybe like one or two from youth group. That, that's because Jesus loves them and they were instructed to love me and you know, that's the way it goes. In youth group, you're gonna be loved because well, the Bible tells us to, you know? So that was me. It was not, it was not great. I have loving parents, loving family, but I was not doing well. Um, and so that was my early high school years. Why do I share that with you? Because those high school years were very challenging for me those first few years. And listen, it, 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 it wasn't like I was going out and, and doing all these things or getting myself into trouble. It was like, that's just where I was. And so I didn't have a lot, of, a lot of room to feel real confident about who I was, right? Now, no matter what, what your journey has been as a child or adolescence, those years are so formative and so shaping for us. Um, you know, even the... Um, uh, you guys may have, have heard of Eric Erickson, and he was kind of well-known for uh, kind of putting words to, like, identity crisis in people's lives, right? When people are really asking whether it's when they're young or when they hit 40 or whatever age, and it's like, hey, there's this identity crisis that people come up against all the time. And, and in a lot of his research, he, he believed that the period of adolescence played a particularly important role in the formation of a person's identity. He described the stage of life as one of identity versus role confusion, and believe that people who are able to commit to a strong identity emerge with a solid sense of self, while those who struggle may be left wondering 
who they are as they enter young adulthood. Another way to put it is that identity is shaped by the experiences people have during their lives, particularly during childhood, which I think we all can attest to, and their adolescent years. Kids who are raised in a supportive environment receive the care, support, and encouragement they need in order to develop a healthy sense of self. Children raised in a less supportive environment where they encounter neglect, abuse, or overparenting, on the other hand, may struggle to forge their own strong identities. What's the point? Even in this secular world, they understand that what happens when you are zero to 18 has a significant impact on the rest of your life. If you were to ask our team of people that do your prayer ministry on folks in our church, which really is just listening to God, getting in a room saying, God, what are you saying about me? Reading scripture over them, having them pray through places of pain, they would say that 90% of the time, the stuff you are working through is zero to 18. That, like, that's what people are working through. It, now, I'm not a counselor. We have a few in our midst. We have, I had an old neighbor that, that was one. I bet if I was to survey them, say, hey, where does most of the pain and heartache and confusion come from in your clients? They're gonna say zero to 18. That's where it started. That's the root. That's what happened. So guess what? The enemy knows that which is why he's always trying to take out us and our youth. If he can take you out as you're young, then guess what? He knows you're damaged goods later. Unless God comes in and miraculously saves your life and you turn it around, but it takes a lot of work to rebuild someone's identity, right, if it's so damaged when they're young. And I'm not talking to a crowd that's like, what do you mean, Tyler? I know in your lives and in many of our lives, some of you have had to work through the pain and challenges of your upbringing. But here's what I wanna say. Although our younger years and teenage years are so formative and they are massive in our makeup, guess what? They are not the years that have to define us. They're not. Do they significantly impact us? Yes. I mean, you would be a fool to think otherwise because it's just true. It's true, what happens when you're a kid, it really does affect you the rest of your life. But God knew that. God knows that we live in a broken world. God knows that we're going to experience things and do things and have things come at us whether or not we choose to. Or God knew that I would have some sort of outrageous, off the charts acne and all sorts of crazy stuff. He knew that. But you know what? God has a plan no matter where you're coming from in your identity or in your insecurity or do I have worth or value? Does anyone care? Do I, do I feel alone, depressed? And God's solution is his son. That's the solution. His solution is, no, 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 I made you because your true identity, your true identity is found in your maker. That's in your creator. yes. Mom and dad, we're part of a family, right? I'm part of the Hardy family clan, right? But, and, and that's an impactful place in my life with my parents and family, all that kind of stuff. Or I'm part of the Antioch church family, right? That's significant in my life. But here's what I will tell you. Um, everything else will come and go in life. Not him. He's consistent. He's consistent. Like one day my parents will pass away. Um, who do I turn to? Like who have I needing be, who should I have been turning to this whole time for advice, for wisdom, for counsel, for my true identity? God, this is who you say I am. 
no matter what people called me in freshman year and sophomore year that got me beaten down, man, I wish I would have found him sooner and found him to be true. Where he says, no, Tyler, you are mine. So today, I wanna talk about our true identity. And you know, I think you guys know this is a big deal, but why is it so big? I'll maybe phrase it this way. Um, a true identity, it is empowering. But a false identity is defeating. A true identity, if you know who you truly are in Christ, man, that's empowering. You can change the world. Nothing can hold you back. Nothing's impossible. You can overcome any obstacle. What any person says about you or any upbringing you had, you can overcome it. It seems impossible, but it's possible. But man, a false identity is so defeating because it, it, it tempts us to put our trust in who we are and what everybody says or in the organizations or the groups that we are in for a season or the, or, or the roles that we play. But those things will end. He doesn't end. I love it. A.W. Tozer says, um, he says, what comes to mind when we think of God is the most important thing about us. What comes to mind when we think of God is the most important thing about us. So what comes to mind when you think of Jesus? Well, I'll read Colossians 1, 15 through 20 to jog your memory. He is the, invis he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Do you see that last line? And through him to reconcile to himself all things by the blood of the cross. All things. So just real quick, all things. So... Can God reconcile not just people, but can he reconcile lands? Can God take poisonous water and make it clean? Could God take a farm field that doesn't produce and all of a sudden it yields 30, 60, 100 fold? Can God take a stream that's dried up from fish and there's no more and all of a sudden provide plentiful fish? Can God reconcile not just creation, but can he reconcile enemies? Can he reconcile the worst of the worst of us in humanity and yet by the power of God have them turn and be reconciled rightly back with him? Yes. If you don't believe that, then you just got to keep digging because it's true. You don't take my word for it, but God is reconciling to himself now. Not just years ago, not just in the New Testament. He's doing it now. World Mandate, we heard some stories of God doing it now. But I have heard and I have seen some things that are like, okay, God really can do anything. Whatever stories are heard before, he just won up that one. 
He just went off the grid with that one. How, that's not even possible. To remember, God, we are made in his image. He's not made in ours, right? So therefore, he is supreme. And we are simply trying to reflect him. But that's who Jesus is. He's an image of the invisible God. So let's talk about who we are in light of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. I love this quote by George MacDonald. He was um, really, by many would say, that he was C.S. Lewis's spiritual father. He says this, I would rather be what God chose to make me than the most glorious creature that I could think of. For to have been thought about, born in God's thought, and then made by God, is the dearest, grandest, and most precious thing in all thinking. <sighs> That's good. Look, I know we grew up wanting to be, at least when I was a kid, wanting to be about some sports person or somebody else, or even right now, if you're a college student, you're like, oh, I wanna have this career, I wanna be like this person, or with social media age, it makes us wanna be tempted to be someone that we're not and aspire to be this kind of person or this kind of mom or this kind of decorator or this kind of fixer-upper or this kind of thing or this kind of thing, right? And so we're always, we're always actually looking elsewhere for who we are, who we should be. But really, um, God's saying, I've, I've already told you. You just need to get right with that. See, there's three foundational truths I wanna unpack the rest of this morning that are, that are pivotal in us knowing our true identity. And I firmly believe, and was taught this years ago, that if you don't have these three, you, you're, still, you're still somewhere on the fence between is it, is it what God, is it, is it what God says or is it what people say? Is it what God says or what the world says? Like you're still straddling that fence. And so I wanna encourage you, God wants to, he, he wants to be the one pulling you over. Hey, hey, can I just, can I tell you again who you are, what I think of you, how I made you? The first one is this, I'm accepted in Christ. A foundational truth to your true identity, I am accepted in Christ. John chapter one, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, you are accepted by God simply because you received and believed. You received him and you believed him. What did you receive and believe? You receive who Jesus Christ is and who he has claimed to be and what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, living a perfect life, going to the cross willingly, being buried in the tomb, then being resurrected back to life. This is Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. When you receive who he is and what he has done and you believe that, then he says you have the right to become children of God. Another translation in this verse, instead of the word right, it uses the word authority. I like that. I mean, who doesn't like authority? <clears throat> so hold on, authority. Like he, and, and another way to even go a step further is authority can be defined as the power to act. He has given you the power to act as his children. Not just be like, oh, I'm, I'm a child of God. No, it's like in a hearty house. You are a hearty. 
That is who you are. Now act like it. But I can't. Nope. Yes, you can. You're a hearty. Act like it. But it's, nope. You're a hearty. Act like it. Oh, I can act like it. Yes, you can. The power is there. The power of God is there for you to choose life, which is the family of God path, or to choose death. I'm telling you, your identity is up for grabs. That's what the enemy wants. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he will do whatever is necessary in his playbook to get you and to take you down. If he can't take you down, he'll take your spouse down. If he can't take your spouse down, he'll take your kids down. He'll take your mentors down. He'll take your leaders down. He'll take anyone around that you have tried to put your eggs in that basket or your trust or your hope in that basket, he's coming for it. Just so you know, he wants to come after whatever you are putting your hope in. He's already tried to come against Jesus. He lost so if I'm just a, a consultant, put your hope in the Jesus bucket. He's already a proven winner. The rest of us, I don't know. I mean, I feel good some weeks. Other weeks I'm like, oh man, this is tough sledding, right? But Jesus is perfect. He is ultimate. He is, he, he just, the, the, the devil, boom, just gone, right? It's just a, it's a flea to him. To us, man, his voice is so loud, and it's true. If you let it be, you got to decide whose voice is bigger. Is the devil a flea or is he a huge monster? He can be whatever you want him to be. And I'm telling you right now, the devil, he's the same. <laughs> Just, you know, like someone else is like, well, I'm scared to death. Someone else is like, I'm free. How can that be? It's the same enemy. Because someone has chosen to believe and receive and said, I'm a son. In our family, I'm a hearty. This is what that means. This is how we do things. But dad, but other kids watch this show. We're not watching that. Why not? Because we're hardies. We're not going to watch that. Oh. Dad, at the baseball field, these coaches are cursing at the other players and, and kids. And the parents are yelling and saying this word, this word, this word. Dad, what's up with that? Buddy, that's what they do. We don't do that. I don't care if you're on the pitching mound and everyone is yelling at you every curse word in their book. You block it out and you listen to my voice. Ethan, you got it. Keep pitching. Graham, you got it. Keep pitching. But dad, they're yelling. Block it out because you're stronger than that. You know who you are in Christ and you know who I said you are as your father. Now go pitch and block them out. Christians, go pitch and block them out. Block it out. It's your choice. And I'm telling you right now, What's really hard to have a true identity is when you are opening the door up to everyone else's voices to dictate who you are. If you are struggling this morning, I challenge you to ask why. Why? What are the voices that I have given airtime to? Trust me. If you are some people that are encouraging you, Hey, this is who you are. I love you. I forgive you. If that's what you get around the dinner table, if that's what you got in your life, man, you're like, this sounds really simple. Like, my identity's really clear. But if it's this all day long, that's really hard. And some of y'all, I know, you can't, you can't dictate all your situations. Do you know what I mean? 
You, 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 you work at a job or you are in a classroom or you're in a group project with other students or you've got extended family or neighbors. And, it's, and listen, we're not called to live in a bubble. We're called to live in this broken, messed up world, but we're not called to act like it, right? And so we're called to be true followers who worship in spirit and truth and know who our daddy is. And we know his voice and we absolutely know the voice of the enemy or any other demonic powers or any other worldly sense or just someone who's just angry Tom one day. And it's like, you be quiet. I'm listening to him. Because that's what God wants. He wants you to hear his voice. Jesus Christ has made a way for you. Romans 8, chapter 14 through 17 says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, our sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery, if I say amen, amen, to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. That's who you are, people. The Spirit of God convicted you of sin and led you to repentance, where then you receive what Jesus Christ has done for you. We can either have a victim mentality, which is enslaved to sin, or you can have a repentant mentality. We should make t-shirts, I like to repent. Maybe that'll get to be a good conversation. From what? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Be a great evangelism shirt. What does repenting mentality do? It's freedom from sin, okay? Uh, um, enslaved to sin, victim mentality is woe is me. Woe is me, right? But a repentant mentality, a way of freedom is forgive me. That's the difference. Ask yourself throughout life, am I looking around saying woe is me? Or am I saying forgive me? Even in relationships where you feel like you've been done wrong, there's probably at least one thing you could change. You know when I get some of those nasty emails you hear rumored about for pastors? They used to be more prevalent. Now, because I don't have social media, you can't really get to me. You just gotta come tell it to my face. <laughs> Pretty good, huh? So, hey, you got a problem, come talk to me. I hear little rumors, I'm like, hey, I'll buy you coffee. Let's talk about it. They don't wanna talk about it. Right, so just, that's a little... A little nugget for you. You got a problem in this church, talk to the person's face about it. Don't write about it. Don't be, don't be that. I'm not gonna use that word. Just don't be that person. Be a man, be a woman, okay? How'd we get there? My gosh. Okay, <laughs> forgive me. Sorry. Okay. Um, guys, the spirit of slavery moves you to fear. Who likes fear? Nobody. I know Halloween's coming up. Boo, I don't like the fear thing. Have candy, dress up as superheroes, sounds fine. But please do not tell me that it's this American holiday that we just all get excited about. It's darkness. I'm just gonna say it, because no one else is saying it. Amen. It is. Let's celebrate death. Why? Isn't the gospel about saying, you're dead apart from Jesus, I'm trying to give you life? But we're gonna celebrate death? Let's not be hypocritical here. Right? Why do, we, why do we entertain ourselves with death? Entertain ourselves with life. You're struggling? Ask yourself, why am I struggling? What am I giving airtime to? 
Am I giving air time to his voice? Dwell upon whatever is noble, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is right. This is what we're to dwell on, church. And I know that we live in a broken world, and I am, I am with you in it. Yes, I work with fellow Christians, but don't spend every day with people that love Jesus. So I have to navigate those voices as well and say, how do I love them when they're very broken and yet know who I am and not allow their unbrokenness to then dictate my identity? Does that make any sense? And that's hard to do, guys. And you can't do it apart from the word. I don't think you can do it apart from the spirit of God. And I don't think you can do it apart from the community of believers encouraging you. So it's the word, the spirit, and the people is what we need. But not only do we be accepted in Christ, we are, I am secure in Christ. Romans chapter eight, verse one, that's the second foundational piece, that I am secure, not just accepted for what he's done and who I am, that I am now a child of God in his family, but I'm secure in Christ, which I was heavily lacking as a freshman in high school with the acne thing, okay? Romans eight, one, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, that is one of the best verses in the entire Bible. And the whole thing, that one is a good one. Like that, that one you can make a billboard out of. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why is that so good? Because I'm free from the condemning charges of the enemy and of people. Oh, they don't have a clear charge against me because Christ has stood in the gap and said, no, he's mine. That does not mean we don't need to confess sins on a regular basis and repent and turn to God and make ourselves more narrow. Your life, if your life starts broad, you should be more narrow the older you get. I'm getting more narrow, more narrow, more and more like him. So that when I meet him, it's like, hey, Jesus, I'm like a spitting image of you. Isn't that neat? The way that I've been talking, the way that I'm doing, the way that I'm thinking, hey, someone call us twins. That's what I want. Wow, you remind me you're just like Jesus. Yes, absolutely. I know him very well, right? Jesus said, they will know you by your love for one another. That's the mark of a true disciple. What did Jesus say? The ultimate is to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Wow, so at the root of all this, is our identity is founded in love because of what God has done. He sent his son for us to be accepted and we can be secure in the fact that we are no longer condemned. He's removed that and we are now liberated. You are secure in Christ. You are sealed. No matter what the enemy says. In Romans chapter eight, a little later on, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And the answer comes in 37 through 39 in Romans chapter eight. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing, 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 nothing. Even the stuff that doesn't even exist. Did you see that? The things that have happened, things to come. It's like nothing can separate you. Believe it, guys. You gotta believe that. Nothing will separate you. Because the world, for the rest of your days, it'll come in waves. It won't be like this relentless attack. It'll come in waves. Tempt you. Mislead you. 
and take you on a straight path. If you're secure in Christ, then you own who you are. You own who you are. Comparison starts to lose its power when we're secure in Christ. I love it. It says in Psalm 139, 14, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Do you know it? David knew it. Do you know it? Do you know my soul knows it very well that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made? Church, we've got to be able to encourage each other. Hey, the way God made you, I love that. Your personality type's opposite from mine, I love that. Your Enneagram's different, I love that. You're a different height, different size, different hair color, I love that. You don't like sports, I love that. You don't support the Aggies, you need to repent, just kidding. I wouldn't say that. I'm married to Baylor Bear now. I have thought it, just, but I didn't understand. Just kidding. <clears throat> but I love that. Lord, I love, because guess what, guys? Let me just break it down. No run time here. Listen. To not, to look at a person and to try to put on them any other identity than what God's already said on them, it is sin. You, you are taking his creation of a person and you're just heaping trash on them. You're no good. I mean, that's why it infuriates me to know the level of abuse and pain that happens to kids. Like to me, the like fire of hell is going to be on parents that mess with kids. And I didn't just say that. Jesus said it's better for you to throw the millstone, which I think is a super heavy rock, around your neck and drown in the sea and just end your life now than you hinder one of these little kids. He didn't say abuse. He said hinder. So we're not even talking like, oh, I didn't beat any kid up. No, 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 no. Did you hinder? Which is why years ago I got convicted and the Lord said, Tyler, will you learn from anybody? Yes, Lord. Great. And a wave of children in different ways in my life started sharing things with me. It's a test. So little kid wants to pray for me? Amen. I actually like it better than I like you praying for me. Because their faith is just here. And they don't have all the pain. They're like, Jesus, heal this foot now. And I'm like, I think this actually may work right here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm telling you right now, we have got to place identity on one another and the truth of who God says we are. And it doesn't mean that we say, hey, it's okay that you're just screwing up your life. We don't do that. We, pull each, we hold each other accountable. But man, we've got to call each other out as sons and daughters. You are made. You are beautiful. When someone walks around, I'm worthless for nobody. That's not true. God made you. He didn't waste his time making you. Now let's go. Let's pick yourself up. Let's move on. Yes, they said that. Yes, they did that. But we're going to move on. Christ can heal it all. And I'll walk you, I'll walk with you through it to see you healed up because there's more for you. I don't want the enemy getting more and taking them out. As a church, something should stir up in you when you see that mom screaming at their kid at the store or that dad. It's just like, oh, I just, I wish I had handcuffs. You just, you sit there, quiet. You know, I'm gonna tell your kid who they really are. You shut your mouth. That's what I wanna do. 
Because it should, it should, the anger, the righteous anger should be in there and say, no, 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 we're gonna mark you with true identity. Your brokenness of pain is not gonna destroy another life. Oh, but I can't control it. Oh, Lord, repentance, revival. But let it not be named in this house. I just wanna be clear. Moving forward, we're gonna place identity, true identity on people's lives in this house. So if you can't do that, then talk to someone who knows how to do it and let them disciple you in doing it. Ask for help. If you're a parent struggling, okay, talk to their parent. Hey, what do you guys do? I don't know. My kids are driving me crazy. I love them, but I don't know what to do. Okay, let's talk about it. Because I don't think the problem is all just with them. It's here. Let's solve this, and I think God's gonna heal that. Do you get me? We can't be oaks of righteousness if there's not the righteousness of God dwelling, manifesting, permeating in our lives. It's okay, you're still an oak tree, but we wanna get you to that righteous oak where it's like, yes, by the blood of Christ, he can do it, and I can change my mind and my heart, and this, we're on this together, guys. This is who God's calling us to be as a people, and we need healing, and we need help. The last one I'll share is this. I am significant in Christ. John 15 through 16. So we have, I'm accepted in Christ. I'm secure in Christ. The third foundational truth is I'm significant in Christ. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I am significant. Well, um, you know, when my boys were younger, I would tell them some stories and they were going to bed. And I'd make it these stories about like nights and stuff. And I'd just, just make it up. And, and what I was trying to do was convey to them, hey, guess what? You're a knight. This is what a knight does. And I would make up Sir Galahad, like a real one, and then make up something else, right? And, just, and this is what happened. This is the quest they were on. And I would kind of leave them hanging. Dad, I keep, keep finishing it. All right, no, tomorrow night. Right? And I would keep the story going. Why did I do that? Because I wanted my sons to grow up thinking, we're called to be knights. We're called to help people, serve the king. We're called to defend those who can't defend themselves, to treat ladies with respect and honor. That's what I want of my children. So I'm gonna share them stories. And what I'm trying to get into them is, guess what? You have a significant role to play. Your identity is significant because you have a purpose. God didn't just save you to just sit around and just be saved. He saved you to go out and now join his army of love and grace and kindness, and filled with the spirit, and joy. Join his army of, of calling people into a place of repentance, and sharing the gospel. Join his army. That's what God does. When he pulls you into his family, the family business is the Great Commission. The family business is healthy and wholeness. The family business is planting other oaks that'll grow up for the display of his splendor. That's the family business. That's what he has called you into as a people. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. You know, an ambassador represents his country. And um, they're appointed. They're chosen. If you're in this room this morning and you've received Jesus Christ, for what he's done and who he is, and you believed in him. You've been appointed now, you're an ambassador. 
Some of you guys are like, oh, wow, I just got upgraded. Yeah, you're, you're an ambassador now. You're like a big deal. I think God wants you to know in his eyes, you're a big deal. You're a big deal. All of us grew up wanting to be a big deal, but you actually are now. Because in Christ, you're a big deal. He's got plans for you. He's got good stuff for you. He's got things he wants to do in your life and through you on this earth. You've got an assignment and he chose you for such a time as this that you would go and do all that he's called you to do. I don't know what that is, but God does. I wanna invite our team up this morning. So we close this morning. I wanna invite you guys to stand. So we close and bring some of our leaders up here. <clears throat> some of our life group leaders you make your way up for our prayer team. Um, <clears throat> you know, in John 10, 27, it says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. All the things I shared this morning, it, it doesn't have much weight if you don't hear the voice of God. Um, and we have to ask God what he thinks of you. You know, recently I was talking to some of my kids and just, you know, it's increasingly difficult to discern, or maybe not to discern, but to like, to like block out the, the voices of others. And really what, what I want them to hear, it's kind of like when you put on, you know, we put on those, those earbuds and it's got the like noise canceling. You put them in and it's like, I mean, the other day someone was here in the office, they were doing something and, and like shouted at them. I said, hey, they're just like doing something. And I was like, hey, I was like, oh, he just canceled me out there. <laughs> I don't know if they were listening to, but they were so locked in they weren't gonna be distracted by some guy shouting at them. And I just wanna say that, man, that's what God wants. He, he, he wants us to be locked in on him. And then when we take those earbuds out, we are listening for the voice of God. We're listening for him in through people. God chooses to use people every day to not only share the gospel, but to encourage, to speak identity, blessing, healing, love, like that's over here. That's why he's like, hey, the church is a big deal. The community of believers, man, it is needed. Living solo ain't the way to go. Man, living with people who can encourage you. And when you get a down day, which I've had plenty, I need someone to say, you're made for more. Come on, man, you can do this. Like, you know who God said you are. Yes, thank you for the reminder. Because guys, we forget. And the noise does get to us. And the voices do get to us. But we have to know in our core that we don't question who I am in Christ, that he has made me, he has adopted me, he shed his blood for me. And he said, Tyler, you are mine. And we've got to hear him say your name, say you are mine. Now let me help you. Let me bring these people around you to remember that every day. Because if you find your true identity, guys, you'll stop grasping. You'll stop um, living life for acceptance and living life from acceptance. That's our heart this morning for you. So I'm just gonna pray for us. I just wanna invite you up. These guys are available to pray for you if all you need it. But I just want our hearts to be healed up this morning. Look, my heart is getting healed. They're doing worship, just needing God to deal with some rocky places. So when you come to church and you're part of this gathering, it's a unique time and space that God wants to use to minister to you. 
So take advantage of it. These guys are here to pray for you. If you don't wanna come up here, find someone in the crowd, but just, I want our hearts to be whole. I want us to be oaks that are planted for the display of his splendor. <laughs> in order for us to do that collectively as a church, we just all gotta be able to own our own pain or our own confusion and say, God, would you make it clear? So I'm just gonna pray for us right now and just ask the Lord to just start ministering to our hearts. God, I pray that you would be speaking to people right now. Again, just as you say in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Lord, let us hear your voice again. Let us know who you are, whether it's a, uh, a picture, a reminder of who we are, something you've already spoken in the past. God, you speak in so many different ways. It's not about how you speak. It's just help our hearts and our minds to be tuned in to say, yeah, this is what I sense God saying. This is what he's doing. So Lord, I just speak identity again over the people in this room. For every person who's professed their belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that they'd be reminded of who they are we are image bearers. We are ambassadors. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are unique. We are gifted. We are loved. We have had the grace of God and mercy of God poured out on us. We are no longer condemned. We are free. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have value, worth, purpose. We have a place in this world. We're meant to be planted and to produce 30, 60, 100 fold. Lord, come and minister to our hearts this morning. For anyone that needs just an extra touch from you, God, just come. How do you want to do it, Lord? Come right now. Minister to all of our hearts in this room this morning. We wanna be whole, we wanna be healed up. We don't wanna be confused by who we are anymore. We wanna know it, in Jesus' name, amen.